Welcome to St. Matthew's Episcopal Church Worship Podcast. My name is Maggie Nancaro, and I am the Assistant Priest for Children, Youth, and Intergenerational Formation at St. Matthew's. St. Matt's is a neighborhood church with a worldwide community in St. Paul, Minnesota. This coming Sunday is August 1st, 2021. Our texts this week come from John chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 4, and Exodus chapter 16. You can find the texts on lectionarypage.net or at a link in the show notes. I will read the gospel for us, but you're welcome to pause this podcast and read the Exodus and Ephesians chapters on your own. I'd like to start us off with a prayer. This is the Collect for the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, a prayer that all Episcopal churches will say together this coming Sunday. Let us pray. Let your continual mercy, O Lord, cleanse and defend your church. And because it cannot continue in safety without your help, protect and govern it always by your goodness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. The next day, when the people who remained after the feeding of the 5,000 saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The next day, neither Jesus nor his disciples are on the shore of this lake. When the 5,000 ate and were filled, the crowd was so awestruck 
that they actually tried to take him by force and make him king. But he disappears. He withdraws somehow. So they commandeer some boats and they go looking for him. When they find him on the other side of the sea, their words are harsh and abrupt, interrogative. When did you come here? What must we do? What sign will you show us? What works are you performing? It's easy for us to get annoyed with these crowds, to brush them off as silly, wayward people who are too obsessed with their own bellies and their own needs. It's easy to do the same with these whiny Israelites too, right? Six weeks before in our Exodus reading, did they not just walk through the Red Sea to freedom? Were they def where were they when the plagues rained down on Egypt? When the god of their ancestors defeated all the magicians of Pharaoh? How easily we forget. But maybe we should not be so quick to judge these folks. Let's take a step back for a second and try to put ourselves in their shoes. I want you to think about a time when you were honestly like really, really hungry. Like your brain was not even functioning. Now I am a person of great privilege in that I am rarely unable to access food. The closest I have ever gotten to real hunger is when I willingly go into the wilderness for recreation. On occasion, I fail to fuel properly, and things get strange. I get grumpy, anxious. Sometimes I see animals there when there are not animals there, and so I flirt with the knowledge of hunger. While these voluntary experiences are not enough to really make me understand what's going on in the minds of these crowds, they are enough to make me understand how little I know about real hunger and what it does to people and to communities. These crowds, the people of God in the wilderness and the crowd that chases Jesus to Capernaum, these are people who know hunger on a real personal level. The Israelites have been slaves in Egypt, and now they're off in the wilderness with some prophet with a stutter and his eloquent brother and a God that they barely know. Their snacks have run out the crowds who follow Jesus, these folks have been living under the Roman rule for generations. These are people who have lived hungry for a long, long time. Of course they are desperate to know what they have to do to keep Jesus around, to possess and to control him, or at least to follow him so that they can have their needs met. But Jesus will not be controlled. Jesus will not be contained, nor will Jesus let them remain beholden to him like that. Jesus has something else in mind for these people, and it is not just bread. Do not work for the food that perishes, he says, but for the food that will endure for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Now it's important, I think, to not take what Jesus says out of context here. 
when Jesus says these things, he says them right after physically actually feeding people. And I think he does this because when your basic needs are not met, it is really, really hard to love God and to love neighbor. The human brain is not preconditioned to trend toward love when the body is in need. This is a learned skill. And that learning often takes a certain form of security. Just like children cannot learn math when they are hungry, we have a hard time practicing love and trust when we are in need. So I don't think that Jesus is saying, y'all don't really need food. But instead he is saying that now that they have been physically fed, they have the ability to attend to their spiritual hunger. He is telling them that God wants more for them than just subsistence. God wants a relationship with them that is more than transactional. For Jesus, for God, meeting their basic needs is just the first step and not the end goal. The end goal is a relationship with him, with this God who chooses to walk among the people, to become one of the people, to live and die as one of us, to be fully present here in the world alongside us. The people ask Jesus to give them bread from God, but Jesus wants to give them the bread of God, which is so much more than a miracle loaf. This bread is God's very being in Jesus. God is here among them so that they can have life and have it abundantly. That is a tremendously radical statement about God's presence here in this world, to them, to us, and to all who come after us. It is a promise that we can trust God for our daily bread, and not only that God will provide it, but that God is within it, that through it we are in deep relational dialogue with God, Jesus will not be controlled because the relationship with God that he is here to institute is so much more rich than merely a transaction. The same was true in the wilderness thousands of years before. God brought the people there not just to drag them around and feed them and make them worship him, but to be in relationship with them to guide them to freedom, to create through relationship a covenant people. God has always sought a relationship with us that is more than a transaction. So what exactly does this mean for us? What is the good news that guides us today? Now, while you and I may not know what it is like to be desperate for food, we may know what it is like to be desperate for something else, to fear loss of control around a loved one, a task list, a certain image, or our healthy bodies. We all know what it is like to be desperate for something and to want to control an outcome. Today, Jesus is promising us that being in relationship with God will not help us control an outcome, but it will help us to be fulfilled. It will guide us towards a wholeness that simply getting our needs met cannot give us. 
God does not want us to stay desperate and dependent, but to grow in relationship through trust and companionship with the one whom he sent. God doesn't want a transactional relationship with us either. In the long term, I think that means that letting go of control, letting go of that question, what must we do to do the works of God, so that we can dwell in the promise that God makes to us instead. I am here with you. We cannot control the people around us, the way our bodies change and betray us, the way our loved ones can be. We cannot control the way of God, the words of God, or the acts of God. But we can choose to be in relationship with that God. We can choose to dialogue with that God. Like the Samaritan woman, Nicodemus the leader, Philip the disciple, and the people in the wilderness. We can choose to trust that this God is present to us in something as common as a bit of pita bread and a silly plastic cup of grape juice. Not because we demand that of God or wave our magic hands, but because God simply chooses to do so. We can control none of this. But softly, from behind the scenes, God lets us know that it is okay not to control any of it. God will be there anyway. God will guide us anyway. God will walk the way with us anyway. We don't have to be in control. In the short term, I think that may lead us into pondering the ways in which God is here among us, the ways that God is providing spiritual food to us day in and day out. We may not understand what it is like to be hungry like the Israelites were or like the crowds were, but we may certainly understand what it is like to be desperately in need of something and have it not be readily available. Perhaps for you that thing is love or hope or health or companionship. Perhaps at one time or currently is access to good food or good water. So knowing that letting go of control is a spiritual practice, I wonder, how is God providing for you right now? Where do your deepest insecurities lie? the places where you desperately wish for control? And how can you notice God in relationship with you there? Amen.
as we close our time of reflection and wondering, I invite you into a time of prayer and intercession. I ask your prayers for everything that you are grateful for this week. What has God provided for you and what blessings are you thankful for? I ask your prayers for anyone in your life who is struggling or sick or in pain. I invite you to name them and remember them before God now. I ask your prayers for the poor, the hungry, the lonely, and all those in places near and far who do not have their basic needs. Are there any people or countries that you wish to pray for? I ask your prayers for this earth, its ecosystems and its creatures, and all the life that surrounds and holds us. What prayers for the earth do you want to share today? Loving and merciful God, I pray that you hear and hold all the prayers of your people this day. Come alongside us and give us a sure sense of your companionship, that we may live as you call us to live and rest in the assurance of your grace. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. I look forward to sharing time with you in the future and seeing you when we can. In the meantime, I will leave you with this blessing to hold you in the coming week. May the wisdom of God, the love of God, and the grace of God strengthen you to be Christ's hands and heart in this world. In the name of the Holy Trinity. Amen.